When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. That's right, it is the H-Town Hoops podcast. Brandon Scott here with Adam Spolane, Austin Mendez, handling things for us behind the scenes. And we've got some news. Trade deadline is approaching. We're recording this inside a week, actually, ahead of the NBA trade trade deadline. But the news that we got is the Rockets trading Victor Oladipo's contract and a trio of second round picks to the Memphis Grizzlies to acquire center Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams has been in the league about a decade now, I believe. And uh, most recently with the Memphis Grizzlies is injured. Um, not going to play this year, but is now a Houston Rocket. Um, it appears that they intend on having him be their backup center next year when he is healthy. Uh, they give up three second-round picks and uh, offload Victor Oladipo's contract to do it. Adam Spillane, I will let you have the floor. What do you make of this deal? Yeah, it's about next season. It's about adding some physicality uh, to next year's team. Uh, I think physicality has been something that has been lacking um, I, I think that Ime Udoka has made that pretty clear that they need to be more physical. And so Adams is that type of player. Uh, this doesn't make this doesn't like preclude them from doing other things at the deadline that could maybe help this year's team. Uh, they still have contracts that can make that happen. They really don't give up much. They give up a few third, second round picks again, second round picks you can buy. And so, you know, those they're a dime a dozen. At this point, the Rockets still, I think, have five second round picks that they have that they can they are for not to cut you off. They are for making trades like this, essentially. Yeah, right? I, yeah, that's ex- picks. yeah. That that is exactly what second round picks are for. I, I'd have to go look, but I bet if you look at like the last five years, the teams that actually make their actual second round pick, I bet it's like ten percent of the second round picks actually. Like all these second round picks are getting traded. That's just how it is right now in the league. They are like pennies at this point. Um, so that's not that big a deal. Um, it's if Adams is healthy next year, which is a big if, I mean, this is a guy who has missed a lot of time over the course of his career. He has not played in over a year. Uh, he, he sprained his PCL posterior cruciate ligament in his knee uh, at the, in January of last year, he missed the rest of the season. He tried to rehab it without surgery that didn't work. So he underwent surgery in October. That's why he was ruled out for the rest of this season. The Grizzlies said, though, that they thought that he would make a full recovery from that. But again, the Rockets won't be relying on Adams to play some major role next season when he is healthy. Like, it's one of those where he's going to be a backup. And I'm sure there will be nights where he does not play at all. But in the right matchups, he'll be important. Like you saw the other night against New Orleans, they really could have used somebody like that. 
he's a $12.6 million expiring contract next season. So for whatever reason, if he's not healthy, then you do at least have the contract that you can trade to make something, uh, to make something up. So it's, it's basically a, it's a no lose type situation with the trade. You're trading somebody in Oladipo who hasn't even been with you this season, who's never going to play for you. Who's a free agent at the end of the year. So you add some salary for next year. You add a guy who I think will help them. I know just talking to Dylan Brooks at shoot around about an hour ago, he's really excited about what uh, Steven Adams can bring. And those two played together in Memphis and they've already been talking. Uh, so uh, he's a, a great teammate. I think was the other point that Brooks made really smart guy, been around the league for a long time. So I think that ultimately it's a very low risk type trade. And I think that it will probably help them at the end of the day, but if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, you know, whatever you're out three second round picks. Yeah. I, I'm with you there in terms of the evaluation of the trade. I have no criticisms of the trade on its face, like the, just on its face value. I think it's fine. The, the picks that you gave up make sense for in the contract, like all of it, the math of it made sense. The motivation for it made sense. I don't have any problem with the trade itself. The only thing that I look at it and say, and you, you made this earlier point about it, not precluding you from doing other things, making other moves. I, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, okay, so what's next? You know, like, like, what are you, what are you, so what are you actually doing? You know, like what's, what's your actual aggressive move? Cause I know you saw the report, uh, from our friend Kelly Eco and the athletic uh, Kelly Eco and others at the athletic about them being the aggressive and, and star hunting and, and wanting to do all of these different things. Uh, you know, that, that that's out there and we understand that they are uh, aggressive and the goals have changed and, and, and all those sort of things for the Rockets. So my immediate reaction was like, okay, this is not the move. This is not the thing that they're trying to do. So, so what what do you think about like at least as far as what's coming next? This report from from Kelly and his colleagues about them them star hunting. What do you feel like is or are some of the the next moves? I know he, he reported in there that Mikael Bridges is, is somebody that might be off the table because the Nets prioritize him. Um, obviously, we know that they still have a priority a backup center for this year. Um, they want a ball handler. Malcolm Brogdon's name was thrown out there in that piece. What direction do you see the Rockets going in with the trade deadline less than a week away? I mean, I'm sure they'll do something, but in terms of like star hunting, that's probably out. Um, in terms of somebody like Malcolm Brogdon, that is probably out. I mean, you just don't have the salaries that you can match up. I mean, that was one of the things about Oladipo was that that was a $9 million salary that you could stack on the Landale 8 million. And then you've got a couple other contracts out there that maybe you can make some use of. And that's probably not going to happen anymore. So I, I think that there is probably something small that they can do. I wouldn't be surprised to see them subtract from their roster. Like they've got a log jam at the wings. Uh, Jay Sean Tate is a, a guy that has drawn interest from a couple of contenders in both Phoenix and Boston. I mean, that's a, if you, for all the people worried about second round picks, you could probably get a couple second round picks for Jay Sean Tate. And then that alleviates the, a little bit of the log jam that you have um, for whenever Tari Eason comes back, which could be next week. And you've kind of seen, you know, when Tari Eason was playing, Cam Whitmore was not, I think that they would still like to have minutes for Cam Whitmore. Um, you know, you can't have minutes for everybody. So that's the type of move that I see them making is not, it's more so something small. Maybe you add another backup center from somewhere around the league, a smaller contract, that sort of deal. And then maybe you subtract from the current rotation to try and alleviate the log jam that you have at the wing position. Yeah. I say in terms of addressing the backup center issue, like for this year, 
Go sign Bismack. Has Bismack Biombo signed yet? Is he still a free agent? No, but the, the other thing with that, and somebody brought this up to me the other day, like they could go and they could go trade for a backup center. It doesn't mean Ime Udoka is going to play that guy. I think that Ime Udoka has shown how much faith that he has in Jeff Green. And so, like, you can give me backup center X from who's a free agent or who's, you know, Andre Drummond or somebody like that. And in all likelihood, Jeff Green's still going to get minutes at the five. That's just how Ime Udoka is going to do it. Um, I think that Jeff Green has had his moment certainly this year. Uh, obviously, physically, he's not, you know, the type of, you know, he's not going to be the most physical guy in the world. And I think that they, at least Udoka believes that he's going to shoot the ball better than he has, at least in the last month or so. So we can talk about them wanting to get a backup center, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that guy's going to get minutes. I mean, you, they signed a backup center over the summer and he doesn't play. So it's all about who the coach actually wants to play. You can, you know, so and at the end of the day, he's the one who makes that call. So I, I can certainly see them making some sort of a move to give themselves some options, but I just, I don't see anything big upon the horizon. So, so I guess, and so it seems like the takeaway from the Stephen Adams trade is that it is a sensible, and I think we agree on this. It is a sensible trade that does not preclude that that is about the more of the long term than it is the short term so more of a long term play than a short term play does not preclude them from making some sort of marginal short term play but does take away this idea that they were going to go star hunting that they were going to take the Oladipo contract the Landale contract maybe one of the young players and try to go get a star like like the, the like the idea that they had lo lofty expectations at the trade deadline is probably one that that you probably put aside at this point. Yeah, but I, I think that was always going to be the case. Like, who are the stars that get traded at the trade deadline? Like, you look. Well, that's that, well. You know what? I I was going to actually make this point. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what's interesting to me about this trade deadline, sort of overall, and then like overall larger picture of this trade deadline, and then specifically how it applies to the Rockets. Like the stars that get dealt at the trade de deadline or stars that, that do get dealt don't necessarily get dealt every year. Like it's not like every year stars get dealt. Like if this was last year. Except for James Harden. Well, except for James Harden, which, you know, we I guess we've been down that road in free agency, right? Yes. That was, that Now that would be a hell of a story if they traded for James Harden in the summer in which they decided that they didn't want him. But but either way, like think about it. They This was just, let's say they did want to go star hunting. Right. They did want to do this. This was the wrong sort of season or trade deadline to do that because of the point you just made. The, the star that we're talking about isn't really out there. Like, And star is a relative term. Like I, we could all disagree on who, what we think a star is. But generally speaking, there aren't really any stars out there that seem to be available. Like because we're, we're on the Zach Levine DeMar DeRozan scale of you know what I mean like the 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 big names that are out there are not really what we would I, I think classify as true stars even if they're you know really good players so like the Kevin Durant is not out there the Kyrie Irving is not out there when in other years and in certain years that guy is out there so I just I think it's a timing thing that's kind of interesting for the Rockets that this isn't necessarily the year to be hunting for stars no, and, and I think that what the athletic reported made it pretty clear that they weren't like going to trade any of their real assets. You know, they, they weren't going to trade any of the any of the high draft picks. They weren't going to trade 
uh, I, don't, I don't think they were going to trade the Brooklyn pick. That looks like it's going to fall in the lottery this year. So I just I don't think that they were all that willing to give up a whole lot. And that's you know that's that's fine. Like I, I don't think that they as, as we sit here on February second, twenty twenty four, that they need to do anything big. Like get some more information on the guys that you have. Like use these last. 35 games or whatever they have left, 37 games maybe. No, I think it's 35. Use these last 35 games to get a, a better understanding of what you have with the guy, you know, what, what you have with this roster under this coaching staff. So I, I just, I, 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 again, I see them doing stuff around the margins, which is probably the right way to go for a team that right now is in 11th place in the West and has an opportunity to probably to maybe play their way into the plane. You know, they're it's not like Utah is playing well right now. You know, the Lakers stole a win last night in Boston, but like they've got a chance to be in the playing tournament. But you know, don't do anything to try to get into the top eight or whatever that's going to hurt you down the road. So use these last 35 games to get some information on the guys that you have. And then you have a better understanding of what you want to do moving forward this summer. All right. That's a good way to transition into this next point about Jalen Green. You talk about using these last 30 some odd games to evaluate and to get more information on the guys that you have in-house under this current coaching staff, which obviously is still new, still figuring things out. Jalen Green's been playing out of his mind over the last several games or so. You've been there for this stretch of home games. He's been really good. Happens to happen right as the trade deadline is approaching. And we understand a lot of the conversation on the internet, the idea that, you know, we've talked about his struggles and the idea that he could be traded, all of these sort of things. And then, bam, Jalen Green starts playing exactly like or very similar to like how you envision and how you want. And it's incredible. What do you make of the timing of Jalen Green's impressive stretch here? And what has, I know we've talked a lot about the rebounding and that, and that's been a, a huge contributor to what he's been doing and really just an impressive part of his little stretch here. What do you make of, of what Jalen Green's been doing here lately? I mean, I don't really give anything to the timing of it. I just think that he's playing better and, He's playing with more confidence. He's playing more aggressive. And I think that they've kind of been waiting on this. And he he showed it at times early in the year. Like, I think we've talked about this, but like back October, November, he was he was good. Like, you know, he was scoring efficiently. Or not like efficiently, but, you know, he was scoring. You know, he was uh, getting to the free throw line. He was shooting the ball a little bit better. And then he took a pretty big dive uh, in in December. And he's kind of been trying to dig himself out of that. And the end of January was just much, much better. And uh, I think that you can tell a lot of times early in games when he gets to the free throw line early, like you can tell it's going to be a good game. And, and I do think like for all the good things, I think he's averaging what 30 over this three, four game stretch, whatever it is. Uh, I think what's been encouraging about it is that it's not like he's shooting 45% from three. Like it's not some crazy shooting, you know, stretch for him he's shooting i think 36 percent from three during this stretch which is good but you know it, it's not being like he's not being carried by abnormally good three-point shooting that's going to fall back down to a to another level like he's kind of shooting an average level from three-point range yet he's still scoring at an efficient level he's still getting to the free throw line uh he's making some really good passes and making the right plays like there was a there was a play in the portland game um last week 
where he's wide open in the corner. He's calling for the ball from Jeff Green. Jeff Green makes a – it's a tough pass for Green. It wasn't a good pass. And Green Jalen Green has to reach for it. It's not in the shooting pocket. The defenders are able to recover. A lot of guys will force that shot from the corner. Green made the pass to the wing, and they got a three out of it. Like, that's just a really mature play. And that's the sort of stuff that you want to be able to see. So it's I know people are always going to point at the shooting numbers, but the one thing that his teammates have said and that the coaching staff has said, Yudoka particularly, is that he's making the right reads a lot. And that's what you want to be able to see with young guys. Like shooting's going to come and go. Shooting is a, a high variant stat a lot of times. You'd like to see him be better around the rim. Again, that's the stuff that he certainly needs to improve at. But is he making the right read? Is he making the right decisions? Is he playing hard? Is he playing the right way? And I think that Green has taken steps forward in those regards this season, even though the shooting hasn't been what you might want it to be. Yeah, no, to your point about the, the way it's looked over the last however many games it's been over this recent stretch, like it, it has looked like sustainable type of improvement, right? Not fluky stuff because – it doesn't look like he's going to be like an elite three-point shooter necessarily. He might be a streaky shooter, but can he still get his own and still impact the game in other ways and do all a lot of the things that we talk about with him? Can he still do those things when his shooting is not like at an elite clip, you know? And and those are the things that he is doing like you're talking about. Now, it is still it it is still sort of interesting this idea of where he fits in there uh overall plan you know like overall plan for the team and i just think like i was having this conversation with someone earlier today and i was just like man you it, it seems like they're just not in any kind of rush to do this thing like even if even if the the idea is jalen green might not be like a number one franchise player it doesn't seem like anybody's given up on the idea that he could still be a winning basketball player in some kind of way and it doesn't feel like there's this rush to just like press the button like, hey, this doesn't necessarily look like the way we wanted it to look. So now we got to get rid of the guy. You know what I mean? Like they've got a whole nother year to make that decision. And like it it seems like ab absent of the type of scenario that I was presenting earlier where there's a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving type of player that's available. Right. And they're trying to make this step. You know, they got this rush to 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 be great, to go from mid to really good to great then you know if, if that type of player is out there then we're having a different conversation probably but between but absent of that and the fact that Jalen Green is showing some signs of potentially being a a player who could be a winning basketball player if not a franchise player and you've got a whole nother year to decide what you're going to do with it then then it, it works and makes sense to be patient about it no you're right and I think that um, Jalen's name has gotten thrown about in, in trade talks. Part of it is because he's the oldest of, of their guys. You know what I mean? Like he's the guy who's closest to free agency aside from Shingun. Uh, those two guys are, are on the same clock. So uh, you've seen him the most. Um, he has probably gotten the most written about him, you know, over the last three years. He was, you know, he's the guy whose role has changed this season as opposed to everyone else. He's kind of taken a back seat, whereas Shingun's role has increased. Whereas Tari Eason, when he was healthy, his role basically stayed the same. I think Jabari Smith's role has increased over the course of this season. So he's always going to be, Jalen's always going to be the lightning rod because he was the second overall pick. Uh, because he was the first guy that really this rebuild started around. And 
sometimes you got to be patient with, I mean, this guy is, he's 21 still. I think he turns 22 next week. Like they're still, he's, he's got a long way to go in his career and he's going to continue to get better. Uh, I, I think that people always expect that the development and the improvement is going to just come right away. And like development is just linear and you go from step A to step B to step C and that's just how it goes. And that's not how it works. You know, sometimes it takes longer to get to it. Sometimes it doesn't take very long to get from step A to step B, but then it takes a lot longer to get from step B to step C. I mean, that's, that's just how development works. Um, some guys are going to develop fast. Some guys are going to develop slow. And you look at that draft class, like, you know, Cade Cunningham has not, you know, it's not like Cade Cunningham has been blowing the doors off things, and he had and he doesn't play a whole lot. Um, you've seen Scotty Barnes; it looked like he was going to be a, a star, and you know he's obviously had his moments. But again, it's not like he's you know taken that linear approach to his development either. And they're not winning games either. And you know the Raptors aren't winning games, so you know, I I just think that sometimes people get it's just the way that the league is, and it's just the way that the league gets talked about, where everyone's always looking ahead to the next trade. And I just, I think that sometimes, I'm, hey, we've done it. You know, we're guilty of that. We've thrown about some trade possibilities when it comes to Jalen Green. And I just don't know if that's the way that teams necessarily look at it. Yeah, well, it's de- it's definitely not. And then just to kind of be, just to kind of be reasonable about this, and I'm glad we're having a conversation. Like Jalen Green, when you, when you talk about how young these guys are, I mean, the guy is, <laughs> he's born in 2002. 2002 like he's he's that young man like i i know basketball and football are different but you you know the conversation the sports overall conversation that's dominated in houston right now is about cj stroud and and how the texans have turned things around obviously and we've covered those games we've covered those stories Jalen green's younger than cj stroud you know he's younger than will anderson you know, he, he he's he's younger than all of these the, the, the all of these other guys. Like he's he's that young, you know. And, and so, and, and that's not to say that 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 means that he's going to figure everything out and become everything that necessarily uh, people thought he could be or whatever. You know, like that's not to say what his potential is. It's just to say how young he is, and to also look at what the actual timeline is. Right, like. Would you push the button? Like the theoretical, hey, would you push the button if you had to right now? Okay, well, if somebody put a gun in your head, maybe you would, but that's not what's happening. You know, like that's just not what's happening. It's like, uh, I don't know yet. Maybe, sure, sometimes on some nights, yeah, it looks like, he, you know, whatever. You know, maybe it, it ebbs and flows what you think about the guy from a week-to-week basis, month-to-month basis. That That might be the case. I think that's okay for right now. You know, like the, the clock is ticking, sure. But it isn't a, you know, so like that's that's kind of the thing that I that I just wanted to put out there, kind of just remind people whenever we want to have these conversations about it. And then that's what I'm getting at here with the timing of it, uh, out of is because the he's playing great right as the trade deadline is approaching. And, and so many people are like, hey, you need to trade Jalen Green or hey, don't tra- trade Jalen Green. And it's like, ah, you know, this is. This is a this is a kind of a a, a tug a push and pull here uh, of a, of a narrative because you know you got people that obviously want to push the button and others that are like hey you know calm down let them develop let's see what it's like with you know more than half a year of new coaching you know and and, and see what happens there you know so it's, the the urgency is just not there to to do anything about this just let them play. 
you know? Yeah, you're right. Just let him play. Let him play. Let him get better. Let him see how it all gels together. Let him see how it looks and make a decision from there. He's he's five-eighths of the way through his rookie contract. Like, that's still a long way to go. Like, that's a long – you still have a long time to try and make a decision, and uh, I don't think that they're going to rush themselves into making some sort of a decision on, on that. Yeah, I, I like the point that you made about him making better reads. Like, I do – you tell me what you think. I do feel like that's the key to him unlocking whatever it is. Like, I'm not trying to put a ceiling or make a prediction on what exactly he is right here right now. But I do feel like the difference between him being let's let, let's just say this. I feel like the difference between him being a, a consistent score and offensive contributor and incons- inconsistent offensive contributor is exactly that part is his struggle of of knowing when to attack, when to, you know, what reads to make, uh, what to do against different defensive looks. And he's, it seemed like he had a stretch there, like, you know, before the, I should say, after the, like, initial beginning of the season, like, he had a stretch there where he was really, really struggling with that. And he hasn't been great at it, like, just throughout his career so far. But he's been much better at it this this latest stretch. And I, I think that's the difference. That's, like, the key for him is just making better decisions and, un, and trusting what he sees and understanding what he sees a little bit better. Honestly, I think that's been pretty good the whole year. Like that that's kind of been the one thing that everybody has fallen back on with him, even on the nights where he shot it terribly, is that his teammates will always tell you, you know what? He might not have shot it well, but he made the right plays. Like he made the right reads when he had to. Like there there was the Utah game um earlier in, in January, um, just that, like basically right before this stretch even started, where he was benched the last well, he, he he got taken out with like 538 left in the third quarter, did not come back in until Fred Van Vliet fouled out with 159 to go. Shot again, shot terribly that game and did not score in at that last two minutes of regulation or the overtime. But the one thing that Ime Yudoka said about him was that he came and he made the right reads. And so that has always been the thing that that's Dylan Brooks, you know, talking about Jalen Green back. There was a game in November. Like they've always talked about like his decision-making and understanding, you know, what the right play is and making that play, even when it's not going to help him on the stat sheet. So I, I do think that that's one area where he's really grown from the start of the, that that has kind of been an, an all year thing. Why do you think the team itself has been so inconsistent lately? We can wrap on this, man. It's, it's, would you attribute it to injuries? Like what is the, as someone with the finger on the pulse, man, what would you attribute it to? I think it's just been a, a really hard stretch of games. Um, for what I mean, playing 17 games in 31 days is not easy to do. And I think that that kind of catches up to you. And that's why sometimes the the effort might be great one night and then it just lacks. It just lags the next night. And I think that, that, that I just think that that's what you're going to see. And I'm sure as a coach, it's disappointing, but as Alperin Shingun said on, on Wednesday night, like it happens, this shit happens. You know, sometimes it's a long season. There are going to be plenty of ups and downs and, you know, for them in a sense, it's disappointing from what you saw on Wednesday because they were so good against the Lakers. You're just like, you're just like wondering, can they build on that? Can they build on that against a team that they should be able to beat a, you know, a, a, a good team? New Orleans is a good team, but they're shorthanded. So can you build on that? And they just didn't come out with a whole lot of intensity defensively. And then the offense wasn't very good um, for really the entire night. And, you know, 
that's how you get beat. And, you know, anybody can beat you in the NBA. That's just how it is. Uh, so I, I think it's youth. I think it's just for whatever reason, their schedule in January for years and years and years has always just been absurd where they're playing 17 games in a 31 day stretch. They had that long road trip that was right in, in the middle of it. So, you know, that's going to happen, but for them, it's disappointing because like for you look now, at least until they get eliminated, they're playing in playoff games. Like the West is very jumbled together. They're a half game back uh, for 10th place right now after Utah lost last night. So like, it's right there for them. If they can come out and play with the requisite energy and, and win their share of games and they've got a chance to be in the play-in, but the schedule gets tough. That's why losing some of the games that they have lost over this stretch, you know, you lose to Portland last week, you lose to a shorthanded New Orleans team this week. You got to make up for those games somehow. And I think I, I saw they've got the fourth toughest schedule in the NBA in February. They are on the road for almost all of February. They play tonight. They play a, a, a pretty bad Toronto team tonight. They have three more home games this month, and those home games are against uh, the Knicks, Suns, and, and Thunder. You know, three teams that are going to be in the playoffs. So, like, you got to they got to start winning some road games, and they're going to have to beat some good teams to make up for the two games that they've lost in the last week. Let the H Town Hoops podcast be the calming influence on Rockets fans. Anybody interested in what we're talking about here, let us be the calming influence. There's a lot of, I should say, lack of calm out there. Let us be the calming influence. Everything's okay. You don't have to go get a star. It's okay that a star is not available. Let your guys develop. See how the season plays out. All right? So every, everything's cool. Everybody, Everybody's calm. Everybody stay calm. That's Adam Spillane. I'm Brandon Scott. We're going to get out of here. Uh, Rockets got the Raptors tonight, so uh, so we're, we're recording this between basically shoot around and you know early shoot around, I should say, practice and you know the Raptors game at night. They've got Minnesota on Sunday, so we'll be back next week. Probably not. What do you say? We'll probably do this reacting to after the trade deadline, right? Maybe come back. We'll come back here once the trade. So that's February eighth, Thursday. So, yeah, so next Thursday. We'll Unless come. something goes down before that. Unless right, do yeah. Yeah, so basically, audience, be on standby between now and the trade deadline. If something big pops, uh, we'll pop in uh, between now and then. And if not, we'll uh, we'll wrap everything up on the trade deadline next Thursday. All right, so cool. That's for Adam Spillane, Brandon Scott, Austin Mendez handling things for us behind the scenes. H-Town Hoops Podcast. Make sure y'all subscribe, rate, review. And certainly tell a friend until next time. Y'all be good.